Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than the one and only David Schuster, TYT contributor, Rebel HQ giant. When I say giant, I mean that, you should see his numbers. All right, top story of the day, a man who's a cop decided to have inappropriate relationships and commit sexual assault against women. Those in his custody, put up his picture, full mass. Stephen Victor Abreu from Wicomico, a Maryland sheriff's deputy. That's who he is. Now, there's an interesting background and the sheriff himself wants you to believe that he is a good guy for firing the deputy. But I'm going to highlight a nuance that the local news decided to leave out. A Maryland sheriff who made the decision to fire and criminally charge that deputy following an investigation into allegations that he raped a woman, held her in his custody at a Coles parking lot. They spoke to Fox News Digital about how law enforcement has been forced to, and I quote, lower our standards in hiring in the post defund police era. Now look at that, you have a bona fide criminal, you have a bona fide victim, and then you have a dumbass excuse. Oh Yes, I fired him, criminally charged him because defund the police. This is why we are here according to the sheriff, okay? Watch the narrative. Now the reason why the sheriff said this is because he was hiding his own negligence. And I have it right here, there's more. All right, so this deputy 30 years of age was fired from the Wicomico County Sheriff's Office and charged with second degree rape, fourth degree sexual offense, second degree assault, false imprisonment, sexual contact while a person is in law enforcement custody and three counts of misconduct in office following an internal investigation into an alleged October incident involving a 27 year old victim identified in the affidavit only as J.A. Uh, let's put up a picture of the sheriff. This is from their Facebook page. Since the deputy's arrest, the county sheriff Mike Lewis said an additional six or seven victims have come forward. The charges range in degree of severity from women who that deputy allegedly spoke to inappropriately during a traffic stop and exchange phone, phone numbers with to one encounter involving the deputy having actual sexual intercourse with a woman. The sheriff Lewis said the deputy first interacted with that woman, the one that was the start of this investigation while she was intoxicated at the scene of a car accident and later 
had sexual intercourse with her inside of a marked sheriff's office vehicle in the parking lot of her apartment complex. That incident, as are the others, remains under investigation. And Lewis said additional charges may be forthcoming. The sheriff further said, and I quote, you're talking about a uniformed deputy wearing a badge, got a gun with body armor. I don't care if she consented or not. It is not consensual intercourse. It was not just wrong. It was not just a violation of policy procedure. It is a criminal act and he will be charged accordingly. Once again, the charges are correct. This deputy is a criminal in my opinion. These allegations are serious and the victims are real. Now the sheriff is talking a big game, but there's another background to this story. The deputy was found to have categorized the body camera footage because remember, these interactions were police interactions. There's an automatic response of the body camera and it was still manipulated. Watch how they manipulated the footage. The deputy was found to have categorized the body camera of the alleged inappropriate exchange during during the traffic stop incorrectly as training so that the footage captured would remain saved for a shorter amount of time, the source explained. The deputy was then reportedly disciplined and docked a whopping four days or about $800 out of his leave bank. Watch this. What's happening right now? You have a deputy who has literally decided to manipulate evidence, categorize it as training so that it has a shorter chef life and there's no evidence of the crime he committed. They knew of this. Did they fire him? No. Did they charge him with tampering with evidence? No. Did they even suspend the guy and say, we will bring you back once an official investigation is done as to why you are hiding evidence from us? No, he received literally a slap on the wrist and nothing else. All right, the source added that a captain allegedly remarked that he would not fire this deputy because he felt the deputy would, and I quote, straighten out, straighten out. And that the department was short on manpower because no one wants to be a cop anymore. Once again, blaming it on the narrative that they created against themselves. The source added that police administrators are neglectful and derelict in their duty to stop this predator. The sheriff admitted that the deputy did manipulate his body camera during that incident and received disciplinary action. Who do you think he learned it from? Hmm? Do you think he just came up with this idea on his own? Do you think he's the only officer in that department doing it? No, has there been an investigation to see the systemic impact, this culture of corrupt policing? What impact it has made in that local community? Of course not. They would like to summarize it in this one person who's obviously a criminal and someone who should not be on the streets. But he's not the only one, I can guarantee you that. 
Now, while this sheriff is saying things like, "Oh, this is this is happening because we can't we can't hire more police because of defund the police." Well, sir, I checked. I checked your budget. You all actually have more money than you've ever had before in your county budget for policing. So how do you blame defund the police when you literally have a higher budget this year, last year, and the year before than you have had in decades in that sheriff's department? Oh, you were deflecting from the reality that you knew this cop was dirty and you kept him on anyway. All right, David, thoughts here. Well, look, it certainly sounds like this sheriff looked the other way until the evidence was incontrovertible and he had to take some sort of action. And then once he did, he brought the necessary charges. But I, I, I really appreciate and value the last point you made. And that is for everybody who likes to talk about defund the police. And it's not just this Maryland County, but literally every county across the United States Police, law enforcement, sheriffs, their budgets continue to go up. They get higher and higher. They're gonna be even higher next year. So this argument that somehow they can't find people is ridiculous because the salaries they're able to offer is higher than ever. Now it may be true that some cops don't wanna be cops, perhaps because they're facing the sort of scrutiny that they didn't face before body cameras, but too bad. There are a lot of good people out there who wanna be cops, who are willing to do the right thing and honor the constitution and honor their oath and be have some integrity and it's Shame on the shame on the sheriff and other police leaders if they are not able to hire and find those people. Very well said. And just remember, there's been movements to put cameras in classrooms. Teachers didn't stop teaching. Movements to put cameras on buses. Bus drivers did not stop driving. Cameras all of a sudden showed up in city hall and county commissions. They did not step down from their positions. We got an exclusive. Imagine a principal throws a party, and this is what you see. Put it up full mass. Insanity is what it is. Keep this up. Look at this. Indisputable received a photo from a Halloween party posted to Snapchat by an elementary school principal in Hannibal, Missouri. In it, the effigy of a lynched doll hangs painted with a black face. The photo was posted to Snapchat by Eugene Field Principal Kelsey Whitley. Someone complained, said, and I quote, this was posted on my kid's school principal's Snapchat page, exclamation point. Let's put it up, the principal. Eugene Field Elementary School Principal, that's Miss Whitley, there she is. The photo spread virally in Hannibal, which recently suffered an incident of racial violence. A drunk white man was killed outside a Hannibal bar after he called several people the N-word and attacked black customers on October 9th. Hannibal residents report racism is rampant in the town, an acquaintance of the principal leaked a screenshot of a conversation with the principal directly to Indisputable. Let's put it up. Here's what Whitley said privately. To the post about the baby, I did that. I used poor judgment on Snapchat. Madam, you think the only expression of poor judgment was the fact that you posted it or the fact that you did it? 
The fact that you published it or the fact that it was in your heart to do so. The Hannibal School Board shared a statement with Indisputable as well. The statement goes, after six day administrative leave, the school board allowed Whitley to return saying, and I quote, the Board of Education met with Whitley in executive session of a special board meeting. During that meeting, a social media post and its interpretation were discussed. After a thorough discussion with Mrs. Whitley, the consensus of the board was to allow Mrs. Whitley to return to her duties as principal of Eugene Field Elementary on a probationary status. I need her probation to be revoked. You have to think about the liability that you're taking here. I'm talking to the board now. She has told you exactly who she is, what she believes, her carelessness in publishing such an insanely racist image. Do you care about the children? Or do you care about the sensitivities only of the adults that you offend? Remember, for those who are actual leaders on that board, and I don't know any of you personally, okay? And by this decision, don't want to. But if there's at least one leader on that board, let me talk to you. Leadership is not always about who likes you or who you are able to motivate. Sometimes leadership is about who you must offend when required. You know good and damn well, this teacher should not be in that position with those students. There's more. Parents and employees at the school are outraged as they should be. One parent wrote, and I quote, to be honest, I'm worried. I'm worried about my girls going to field, that's the school. I can't stand her, she says I want her fired now. I don't know how it will play out. I'm sure she will get off, yep. An employee at the school also spoke out and said, Hannibal is a prejudiced racist town anyway. And for you to post that on Snapchat where other students are going to see that and have access to it, I think it's wrong. And I feel that she should have been terminated because a high percentage that goes to that school are black children, look at that. The employee says they are worried for their family who attends the school, mixed race. Whitley knows, Ms. Whitley knows what the meaning is of that. And for her to even post something like that and then be teaching black students there, it kind of makes you wonder what type of treatment they might really be receiving from her to be different because of their color. A representative of Hannibal School said she would not comment on the incident because it is a personnel matter. Is it? It's a student matter. Don't forget the reason why you are called in the arena of education. It's not simply for the administrative staff. But it's for those students. Now you let them down in this decision for sure. There's a systemic issue obviously. It is deeply rooted inside of this individual who has failed to acknowledge publicly or apologize to those she has offended. All right, we'll keep you updated. David, thoughts here? 
I always like to think about it, the situation were reversed, how would people feel? Let's just suppose it was a student who had an effigy mm. of the principal, Miss Whitley. And that and that effigy was of you know Miss Whitley either being hung or perhaps covered in blood with a knife in her back. That student would be expelled. There'd be no question about it. But because it's the principal, because it's maybe somebody who's favored by the board, she gets to keep her job on probation. And by the way, to your point about an apology, if she was gonna keep her job, I would at least think that the board would say, okay, you got to make this a teachable moment now. You need to address and you need to apologize to everybody in this community. You need to say that you were wrong. You need to have some teach-ins in what you tell people what racism is about and use yourself as an example so that this is a teachable moment. But the failure to do that just underscores just how racist I think the community of Hannibal really is. Yeah, I concur. And remember when they say we went into executive session, that means secret. They went into secret session in order to do this so that the public could not visually see or hear what was discussed. We have more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Always good to be with you, always good to have you. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Before I do that, here's the reminder, all right? Tonight, tonight we got midterms, we got the coverage, we got the crew. Make sure you tune in tonight. We got Jenk, Anna, Senator Turner, John, David, JR, Jessica, Michael, and some surprises. Coverage starts 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Um, let me just say this, all right? So Representative Matt Gates uh, is gonna be on, and I'm praying to Black Jesus that I'm on when he's on, all right? I need you to join me and pray over this, okay? All right. Um, also, the Carter Center's candidate principles for trusted elections. Make sure you sign up. I've signed up. Here's why this is important. Because I think sometimes we don't see the point in some of these opportunities to sign up and become a voice. When you show a politician a groundswell of support for an idea they may have abandoned, it makes them pay attention to that idea. So the idea with this is to have enough signatures to this very simple pledge. This very simple pledge that says, we will denounce threats against election workers. We will respect the right to vote without intimidation. We will accept certified outcomes, certified. That means you've exhausted our remedy, certified outcomes of the election. Um, I would love for you to sign up, add your voice, principledcandidates.org, principled Candidates.org. All right, make you see the silver haired dragon, David, the darling of right wing women. You're not going to live this <laughs> down, brother. It's just not going to happen, man. Well, it's never going to end. Okay, well, it's never going to end. Sometimes we all have to we all have to have to sacrifice in certain ways in our lives. So I'm yeah. glad people are entertained. Tyt now has to send security with David every time he goes to one of these Trump rallies. Man, it's horrible. All right, it's a bad thing. Um, Devil Dog Dragon says, when Dr. Rich is on the case, nobody gets away with it, period. That's right, that's right. We we typically have a little more information than we show on air, hoping that they change their ways before we have to do the follow up. Kita Boot Forever, thank you so much for being a member for five months. Oh My God, Doc, I wish you were part of the panel talking to Matt Gates this evening. I know you definitely get him good as always. Thanks for all you have done and we'll do going forward. My pleasure, thank you so much for that. Uh, Donald James X, thank you for being a member for six months. I know of no other show 
that has done more for the community actively than indisputable. Indisputable community making stuff happen. Thank you so much, you're part of that community. Iron sharpens iron, I'm nobody without you, okay? Always remember that. Lone Dragon, give to five indisputable. Uh, yes, thank you, memberships. Dr. Shot Richie, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for that, okay. Got something for you, ladies and gentlemen. I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're, you're I feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. We'll come to you when we're ready. Don't okay. throw in front of people like that. I can just remove you from the store if you want. That's perfect. You try. Try? Try. You, get, you do it then. And let them let them take care of it. Here's what's going on. Just like this. Hey, whoa, whoa, don't touch me, bro. Don't touch me. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Just like this. There you go. Don't come back in. Oh my god. Nope. Don't hit me. Me. Just hit me. Don't try. Just hit me. You hit me again. Hit me again. Hit me again. I ain't hit you again. Hit me again. Sir, call uh, the police right now. I'm requesting you. On you? On you? <laughs> Savages. I'm not a Spectrum customer. <laughs> this is not going to convince me to be one. All right, I don't know where to start here. Seems like everybody had a little bit of Karenicity in them, except for the brother who came and saved the day. Um, David, thoughts on this debacle that you just saw? It was quite active. Well, you, you put the, the key word out there and that this is spectrum. So I'm loath to sort of judge anybody who might be, um, shall we say, angry or frustrated with their cable provider. Uh, clearly, a lot of us have been there at the cable store trying to return equipment, trying to get equipment, trying to get equipment to work and we freak out because we don't know. Um, I, I wish people would not resort to violence even if they felt like it was the cable provider who deserved the violence. And again, uh, locking the door of the store doesn't seem to be effective. Uh, thank goodness there was somebody who was a little bit more level headed who sort of separated the, the warring factions here and said, let's just let it go. Yeah, it was interesting. It is what it is. Uh, but damn, I didn't even know they still do the equipment thing like that. I, I, it's been so long since I've had cable, man. Okay, yep. all right, I get it. I used to be there too, brother, a while ago, <laughs> all right. The midterms are coming up, and there's an unlikely reason why some of these candidates, who are election deniers and white supremacists, have enjoyed some success in their campaigns, according to a Washington Post analysis. Democrats have spent nearly $19 million across eight states in primaries this year, amplifying far right Republican candidates who have questioned or denied the validity of the 2020 election, interfering in GOP contests to elevate rivals they see as easier to defeat in November, even as those candidates have promoted false or baseless claims. The practice by some campaigns and outside groups this year has divided Democrats with some in the party, complaining that such tactics are risky and could ultimately result in the election of candidates who pose serious threats to democracy. The approach often involves TV ads suggesting that a far right GOP candidate 
is too conservative for a state or district and drawing attention to the candidates hardline views on abortion, guns, and former President Donald Trump messages that resonate with conservative primary voters. In other cases, Democrats have run ads attacking GOP candidates seen as tougher to defeat in general elections in ways that could erode support for them in Republican primaries. Total Democratic spending rises to roughly 53 million when a ninth state, Illinois, is added. There, Democratic Governors Association, the DGA, and the campaign of Governor J.B. Pritzker spent a combined 34.5 million successfully elevating a GOP candidate who has said it was appalling that party leaders in Illinois wanted Trump to concede the 2020 election. $34.5 million to get a GOP candidate. That is an election denier to run against Pritzker, that is insane. The Democrats gave this strategy one more try in New Hampshire. There were two races in September. And their efforts ended up helping these two men. So we've got Don Bolduc and Bob Burns on the right, Bolduc's on the left. So you can see them, GOP Senate candidate Bolduc concurred with Trump's false claims that the 2020 election was rigged and signed a letter along with other retired military leaders claiming without evidence that the FBI and Supreme Court ignored election irregularities. Burns was an otherwise poorly funded GOP House candidate who acknowledges that Biden won, but has claimed that a ton of other unspecified elections were stolen in 2020. Now, here's the approximate amount of Democratic money spent in GOP primaries. Just look at this chart, it's insane. You can see that about six of these candidates won, and you can see the millions of dollars that were spent promoting these candidates that are spreading messages of conspiracy theories and lies, shedding doubt on the democratic process and spreading far right messages on the airwaves. These are millions of dollars spent by Democrats boosting these candidates. So adjusting for these New Hampshire updates for these two races, Bulldog and Burns, they're moving on to the November 8th general election along with four other far right candidates making the total six. So Democrats directly interfered with at least 13 primaries here. And just think about what if they spent that money promoting Democratic candidates and spreading a Democratic message about what they do, how they won't cut Social Security like conservative candidates would. This money may have been much better spent elsewhere. 13 primaries, so six gubernatorial races, two Senate contests, and five House campaigns. More reporting from the Washington Post on this. In one instance where Democrats helped fund a Nevada organization promoting a right-wing gubernatorial candidate, the organization's leader, a Republican, told the Post he spent excess funds on down-ballot races Democrats hadn't intended to finance, including a Secretary of State primary in which an election-denying candidate prevailed. Critics complain these investments undercut the party's vow to be guardians of democracy. Worse yet, they say in difficult, in a difficult political climate for Democrats, they fear it might lead to electing the very candidates they perceive or perceive to present the biggest threats to the country. The way I see this is Democrats fight progressives extremely hard in primaries to try and make sure that establishment candidates win. And then they go off and fund right wing candidates. They're much more afraid of progressives coming to power than literal fascists winning in America. This is very scary. So when we see the results on November 8th, 
Keep in mind the roots of these results. And if these candidates win, we know that the Democratic Party itself had a hand in this. So Jackson, I wanna bring you in here. This is some, some crazy reporting. And um, you know, there's one thing to be said about strategy, but the fact is, is that this is not a new approach. This is something that the Democrats have done many times in many elections over the course of years. And the results haven't been such that when we do this, we win 100% of the time. Um, this is in, in just in more of the bigger consequential elections, we saw this with Donald Trump. You know, people didn't particularly take his campaign seriously all the way through to the uh, through to the finish. Many things that should have been done weren't done. And as you pointed out, uh, regardless, uh, spending money on your own is always a better tactic. And if the Democrats, and we know the issue why they don't is corruption, but if they were a party that delivered and then you know uh, took to the bullhorn what it is that they did for the people more often, then they wouldn't need to play these types of tricks. Because at the end of the day, this really is a, is a trick. You're, you're trying to indirectly, it's passive, it's passive aggression, which I really don't like from people anyway. So this really is a passive aggressive tactic that it doesn't guarantee any type of real results. Um, and this is why we need to continue to push for better progressives to get in office, which I personally believe that we have a very good opportunity to do, not just in the next handful of elections, but just generally in the political time that we're moving into. I have faith that a lot of strong leaders will continue to rise up. And um, but yeah, it's really a shame to see Democrats wasting this amount of money on a tactic that they've seen doesn't work many times over. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd think that maybe when we got to the point where the candidates running in these primaries were pushing conspiracy theories and that our elections are not valid, that maybe then they would say, okay, let's not promote these messages or these candidates, but they will literally stop at nothing. And I think at the heart of this is that both parties leadership really want centrist mainstream neoliberalism and oftentimes it feels like they're on the same team. And this is one of those situations where it's like clearly one party is pushing white Christian nationalism and election denial. They hate democracy, they want to live in a white Christian nationalist state and they're saying this directly. And still the Democratic Party is promoting them. I just think it's scary we live in a time where instead of doing something to help people and delivering public goods, they still play the political game. Any last thoughts on this, Jackson? Um, other than we got to take it into our own hands, not really. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. agree. That's a very important last thought. We have an update to a story we first covered right here on Indisputable. A college student had to face significant assault from a young white female who has now been criminally charged. And we have some other background showing how she identifies with, let me say, the common folk. Let me take you back to the video. Here it is. I hope. Could you stop, please? No. Video. Me too. I got the song. Oh, you're trying to get me to get her to like get you. 
She called her the N word over and over again, called her the B word as well as you can see. Physically attacked her, she has been criminally charged. And now we have some additional background. Here it is. She's bragging about being rich, making fun of somebody else's clothing. Okay. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Let's put a picture up. Courtesy of CBS WKYT News. Sophia Rosing is her name. She's now facing criminal charges of assault against a black student. Will now be withdrawing from the university, according to her attorney. Rosing, 22 years of age, was arrested Sunday morning with charges of assault, intoxication, in a public place and disorderly conduct. After the news broke about her arrest, her social group came out to support her online. Let's see her social group. What? More Karens? Okay. Um, so they are now supporting this individual. They continue to use the N word themselves on their various posts. Not going to help your friend, young, immature, racist people. All right, fascinating. There's more, okay? Real name, Riley Walstenheim once also disparaged a white LSU student, okay? This once happened, who was gunned down because she was dating a black man. That's why they decided to disparage. It looks as if based on the evidence presented in the court of public opinion that she hangs with other racist people. At least accountability is being served on some level. And I wanna say this to all of the young folks who are involved in this. I know some of you are in your early 20s. This is going to shake you. This is going to rock your world, at least temporarily. Now here's what you can do. You can get mad at people like me. You can get upset at those who talk about you on social media. You can get upset that people are upset about what you did. You won't grow from that. Or you could simply stop for a moment, pause your life and acknowledge what you have done and acknowledge the hurt you've caused other communities and acknowledged that you were miseducated by somebody who failed you. But you're an adult today. You don't have to accept the miseducation of those who provided it to you. You can reject it, you have volition, you have will. Take this moment, acknowledge it and transform. There is no transformation without acknowledgement first. All of us, including myself, we are simply a combination of three E's, experiences, exposures and environments. You have now had a different type of experience, let it change you. David, thoughts here. Look, I think a lot of college students make mistakes. All of us have been there, whether it's with drinking or maybe doing something that we later regret. But there's a difference between just sort of making a mistake, like I don't know, you know, grabbing something or or you know, saying an off-color joke, and actually being a racist, using the N-word, using the B-word. I mean, 
I think society will grant younger people a certain amount of latitude if you're willing to acknowledge to atone for your sins and say, yeah, you know, I had too much to drink and yeah, you showed poor judgment. But it's very hard for society to forgive people who are this blatantly, obviously racist and not self aware about it. And as you pointed out, I think this is gonna be hard for this particular young woman to overcome. Yeah, and but listen, and I wanna say this as light at the end of the tunnel possibly. There are people lecturing, there are university professors today who used to be members of groups that they denounced today. You have to contextualize it properly, show that you have transformed and have a lifestyle congruent to that change. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments, a little press for time, so forgive me. Um, don't forget, Representative Ro Connor is joining TYT's live coverage for the midterm elections. Make sure you tune in live tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. You can watch on tyt.com forward slash live, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and the linear cable stations, okay? All right. Eileen, lesbian dance theory dragon. It's awesome. I'm praying to black Jesus today for you, Dr. Richie. Get your questions ready. I don't have to get a damn thing read, I already know what I'm gonna say. A cop, right, engages truly in criminal conduct. Department says, no, we're gonna protect. There's a settlement, money gets allocated to the family. There's more in the background than you would imagine. Let's put up the picture of Terrence Bridges Jr., okay? Black male killed by a Kansas City police officer. They have now reached a $5 million settlement. This is one of the largest sums paid out by the department to date. Bridges then 30 was shot and killed on May 26, 2019 by an officer named Dylan Pfeiffer. I'm gonna go into some details about why this is more egregious than initially believed. There's an interesting settlement detail here, the money for the settlement will come from the KCPD's budget, which rings in almost $269 million, okay? According to the agency, it allocates $191 million to 71% of that budget to a general fund for legal settlements and other expenses, full stop. They literally got an overload of money to do one thing, to pay people off for corrupt ass cops. That's it, it's called a slush fund. And this slush fund has been utilized at the discretion of the leadership of that department. I'm gonna get to them in a minute. In order to settle these cases so that real accountability is never affixed to those who commit the criminal act. Now, you know what this is. This is defunding the police. This is actually defunding the police. This is not somebody with a bullhorn saying we should defund the police. This is not someone holding a press rally saying it's a good idea to reprioritize the policing budget. This is somebody actually doing it. They are taking taxpayer dollars away from the policing budget because bad cops cost money. There's more. Incident details go as follows. Officers responded to a 911 call. 
911 call comes in that an alleged domestic violence altercation transpired between a couple. Dispatch shared with the officers that a firearm was involved. And once arriving at the scene, the officers thought Bridges was the suspect. Why? We'll get into that in a moment. Officer Pfeiffer tried to arrest him, but Bridges ran from him. The officer chased him and once close to him, he shot him in the chest. In the audio that was released, the audio released by the police department, the fatal single gunshot can be heard afterward. Pfeiffer yells at Bridges, why'd you attack me, dude? A dying Bridges responded saying, I didn't attack you. Now let me explain what's happening in this moment. Because we've had police officers tell us exactly what this is about. Police officers have said, we will shout things knowing they are contrary to the truth of what's happening in order to provide a credible defense because we can basically get away with anything if we can convince someone that we thought something else was going on. So they will scream things like, stop resisting, and there's nobody resisting. Or as this officer said, why did you attack me? But the dying declaration, which is permissible in the court of law, the dying declaration stands. The man said, I did not attack you. The cop shot Bridges because he thought, according to him, he had a weapon in his sweatshirt and was pulling it out to use it on him because it was alleged he had probable cause to believe he was in danger. The cop was never charged with the man's death. He was never charged with lying on his police report. He was never charged with anything. As we have no confirmed photo of Officer Pfeiffer, none yet, I'm searching, believe me, the team is on it. On the left is the police chief who was in charge at the time. Chief Rick Smith, whose nearly five year tenure was marked by a critical response to the Black Lives Matter protest and the conviction of an officer for killing a black man, retired April of this year. Interim police chief Joseph Mabin is on the right, was sworn in immediately after the retirement of Smith. The case was brought to the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office. This case was brought to be what? Investigated. And the grand jury ruled the incident did not require charges to be filed. Despite the investigation proving no commands were given to the young man during the foot chase and that he did not have a gun at any time during the incident. Now remember, grand jury proceedings are top secret. We will not know exactly how this evidence was presented or not presented. We do not have that information and the grand jury itself is restricted by law from sharing it. Let's put up the family's attorney. This is Tom Porto. The family's attorney would file the civil lawsuit when criminal charges never materialized for Officer Pfeiffer. Despite the settlement, Pfeiffer still remains on the police force. He has found himself connected to another altercation between a civilian and law enforcement. In 2020, a year after the death of Bridges, this same cop 
was on patrol with a man named Sergeant Matthew T. Neal when they stopped a teenage child from driving in a car or stopped them while driving in a car. Neal assaulted a 15 year old, slamming him face first to the pavement. You know what happens when you are 15 and you get slammed face first into the pavement? This is what happens to you. Look at that. The teen suffered multiple chipped front teeth, needed eight stitches to close a gash on his forehead. For his use of excessive force, Neil pleaded guilty to third degree assault in a criminal case last week and was placed on four years probation. Once again, Pfeiffer not charged with a damn thing. The teen's family has not filed a lawsuit, but Kansas City Police Commission agreed in January 2021 to pay 725,000 to settle an excessive force lawsuit in the case. Don't take the money. Number one is too low, but number two, only take it. And this is just my recommendation. Only take it if they put that lying ass cop under deposition, get them under sworn testimony. Because I promise you, the crimes that we are aware of that have been covered up by this department go deeper than what we know. Somebody needs to get him under oath, please. To the attorney, work on having that as part of the equation of the settlement. All right, David, thoughts here. I'm just astounded that Piper is still on the force because clearly he is a liability. He is a cost yep. department. And the other thing that just jumps out to me, 70% of their budget, 71% is set aside for settlements, for legal expenses, because they know that they're gonna get sued for unlawful acts and for terrible actions like this. That is insane. That is what are we doing as a society when cops are are creating so much revenue coming in just to protect their terrible behavior? That's outrageous. And the citizens of Kansas City and the surrounding areas, they deserve so much better than this. So much yeah. better. Very well said. Imagine going to jail because of a false warrant. You go to jail, they figure out that you shouldn't be here. They got the wrong person, never should have happened. You're hours away from being discharged from the jail, falsely incarcerated, and they beat you to death. You get killed inside of this jail that you never was supposed to be in. That's exactly what happened. Let me first go to the reality of what happened here, a family. The family of a man who was beaten to death by another inmate last year at the San Diego Central Jail has filed a federal lawsuit against the county and his sheriff and probation departments. It's important that they named all of these entities. And I will explain that relatives of the 38 year old Dominique McCoy alleged he was arrested due to a wrongful or wrongfully issued warrant. Then after the error was discovered, he was killed by another inmate hours before he was set to be released. Who's the current sheriff? His name is Anthony, Anthony Ray, okay? He's the current sheriff, buck stops with him. Now, I will provide some context to this. The current sheriff is, is not the one who had him on probation. The current sheriff is not the one who processed the paperwork. But the sheriff is the one who oversees the process of safety for those who are in custody inside of the facility. The lawsuit filed Friday states McCoy was arrested for a probation violation. Through his probation, though his probation was actually terminated nearly two, year, two months prior, despite the erroneous warrant, 
McCoy was arrested on December 23rd, two days before Christmas. December 23rd arrested for something that he never should have been arrested for. And remained behind bars for nearly a week before a judge ruled that the arrest was made in error and ordered his release according to the lawsuit. So what challenge do we have here so far? So maybe you have a systemic bias issue and also you have an issue of over policing. Remember probation is a money industry, that's a money making empire. No, don't worry about going to jail, we're just gonna keep you on jail through monitoring and you now have to pay us to monitor you. Yes, 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 you have to pay us money. And as long as you pay us money, we have the system in place. Well, that system has now caused the death of a human being that should be alive today. Let's go to the chair. Nathan Fletcher is the chair of the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, right? The county has been sued, the sheriff's office has been sued. The probation department has been sued. These individuals represent, represent the leadership of their respective county. Just before his expected release, the lawsuit states another inmate, John Roman Medina, was placed in McCoy's cell and killed him on December 29th, 2021. Medina 18 is charged with McCoy's murder and remains in custody according to the suit. The suit states that Medina who had been recently arrested for felony animal abuse, assault with a deadly weapon and violence against a child should not have been placed with a prisoner like McCoy who did not have a history of violence. Now I'm going to say something that many people may disagree with and I'm okay with it, it's my opinion. I think there may have been something to why this person was placed in this cell. This doesn't make sense, there are categories for placement systematically created once you enter into a facility like this. Meaning it's automated typically, no human being is responsible for it because the systems are coded systems. The system would not have allowed this unless there's an override manually somewhere. There's more, defendants did nothing to stop this violent attack according to the lawsuit and allowed Medina to murder McCoy hours before he was to be released. After being arrested only on the basis of a warrant that a judge confirmed never should have been issued according to the lawsuit. Now, they knew they had somebody in their jail who never should have been there. I'm sure he told them over and over again, I'm not supposed to be here. Hell, he may have said, when I get out, I'm going to sue you for what you have done. No telling, you know why we don't know precisely? Cause he's dead. According to the lawsuit, nearly 220 people have already died at the San Diego County jails between 2006 and 2022. A state auditor's office report indicated the death rate at San Diego County jail was far higher than, <clears throat> than at other large California counties. And that the situation, and I quote, raises concerns about underlying systemic issues with the sheriff department's policies and practices. Here we go. Are we just gonna move on as if this did not happen? This person is a human being, this person is real, connected to a family structure, a societal dynamic, is a valuable human being, but now dead, why? Well. That's the billion dollar question. We'll continue to follow the story as updates come. David, thoughts here? I just think it's, I mean, it's so horrible. I mean, McCoy, as you pointed out, he was a nonviolent offender. 
There's no associated with any violence. He's put back in jail because of a probation violation, which is absolutely ridiculous and insane. And then I think to your point, look, it's hard to see how police, how the jail warden didn't know that he was being placed with somebody who has a violent past. And I do think that there's something else that's missing from this. And maybe it, maybe it is McCoy saying, look, I shouldn't be here and I'm gonna sue you and making some sort of threat. And then the warden saying, okay, well, we're gonna teach him a lesson. And this guy ends up dead. Um, you know, it's just, it's horrific on so many levels. We're gonna follow it, we will bring updates. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Uh, tyt.com forward slash polls, all right? Election pool, we want you, okay? We want you to help us predict the midterm election results, you can do that. How? Go to tyt.com forward slash polls to pick your winner for each race. Politicians won't be the only ones winning tonight. We're giving away shop TYT gift codes to 100 randomly selected participants. Winners will be selected at random and contacted via email. So listen, even if we lose, we win, kind of, all right. Prepare for anything to happen today. I don't know what the hell is gonna happen, okay? Uh, Lauren Dobson, no to police, black male is a crime, not a black male. <laughs> exactly, all right, we got a lot of them. Okay, Bernie the Kiwi Dragon, member for six months, thank you so much for that. No matter how the midterms turn out, we're guaranteed a roasting of Gates and conservative ideas scrutinized. Should be fun to watch, there you go. All right, and ooh, perpet, perpetual cold threw me off there for a minute. Didn't see that together at first. Just waited to next year when they raise the budget as a result. That's right, absolutely right. That's exactly what they're gonna do. Oh, you see, we need more money because we have cops that decide to rape women. That's because defund the police. Okay, horrible. Awful, imagine a store owner seeing a person who is unsheltered and deciding to do this. Don't, you're not putting fires around here. There's places you can. Yes, bye. You're a piece of Yes, and you're living outside. You have, you have no soul. And listen to you, listen, you. sweetheart. You just don't want to love me. Yes. I don't even have any clothes to change into. Thank you. It's all your fault. That is scumbag behavior, but we have his information. This is all your fault. Put his picture up. Dean Weaver, donut, donut shop owner out of Eugene, Oregon. He's under fire after a video emerged of him throwing water at a homeless woman, unsheltered person. And then, guess what? He posted it. 
on social media, according to the narrative. Dean Weaver, the owner of Dizzy Dean's Donuts, claims that he wasn't throwing water on the homeless woman, but rather he was putting out a potential fire. Weaver said the ex-employee was fired for other reasons and believes he posted the video without the full story to get revenge. Keep in mind that Weaver recorded the video himself. And in the video, he admits to intentionally throwing the water on her. He admits that on the video that he recorded himself. Now, I thought, sir, you were all about taking responsibility, pulling yourselves up by your bootstraps here, becoming fortified by the forces against you. Here's a replay of the excerpt. Yes. Admission to facts and evidence, that's what that is. Let's put up the graphic here because I wanna make sure we contextualize this properly. He also claims homeless people around his property have started fires before and he shared another clip of himself pouring water. This is something else, this is a different person. This has nothing to do with the situation you just saw. So at this point, he's trying to conflate things that do not connect. Since the video has gone viral, the company has received phone calls that were not pleasant. Their Yelp reviews have plummeted to a 1.5 star rating. If you would like to help them regain some footing here, if you would like to assist them with reestablishing themselves in the marketplace, you can go to Dizzy Dean's Donuts, the Yelp review, is right there. All right? Trying to help you out here, buddy. Think about the heartlessness involved in the activity he's engaged in. Where's your heart? Man, obviously you're doing okay. You can't talk to somebody, you can't have a conversation. The issue, the person who is temporarily unsheltered, the issues they are facing usually are not that of a personal failure or personal nature. It's a policy dynamic. When I was traveling back from Birmingham, I go to law school in Birmingham, Alabama. I come back to Atlanta every weekend, all right? I do this every weekend. I stopped at a store and there was a white male singing on a small karaoke box outside of a convenience store. And he just wanted money. He needed money to pay his rent. You know why I know that? Because I had a conversation with the guy. I sat down with him. I even sung some karaoke songs with him. At the end of that, we talked more. And he started talking about his disability, how he could not make money. He was 71 years old. He could not engage like he used to and make the kind of money that he needed to make. And he said, I'm a failure. No, it's a policy failure, not a personal one. And we are forced to believe that when somebody has a difficult time in life, that the failure is a personal failure. But the truth is, I guarantee you nine times out of 10, it connects back to a policy failure in your history. That's it. Treat people like human beings and this wouldn't happen to you, sir. David, thoughts here. 
if you own a business and there is somebody there and you don't have it in your heart to actually have a conversation to understand why they're squatting on your property, why they're homeless, okay. You know, the law doesn't require you to show that you have a heart, but the law does require you to actually go to the police and follow certain procedures if somebody is on your private property. You cannot just throw water on them because you don't like it. Just as if I go to Dizzy Donuts and they serve me a glazed donut instead of a chocolate donut, I'm not allowed to take my donut and throw it at the man's head because that's a violent act. But that seems to be the kind of behavior that this Mr. Weaver seems to be promoting. And you know what, these things do have a way of coming around. There you go. We will obviously every time provide a sense of advocacy for those who have historically been disenfranchised. Imagine a woman decides to shoot to shoot a man and really gets absolutely no penalty. Well, once again, the man was unsheltered. Let's put up the picture full mass here. Oh my goodness, she's just so distraught. In a case going back five years, a woman was sentenced to nothing but probation for shooting an unsheltered, unhoused man. 32 year old, Katie Quackenbush, that's a real name. Quack in Bush was sentenced to 11 months, okay? 11 months and 29 days of supervised probation after shooting a 59 year old Gerald Melton, a human being. An unhoused man in Nashville back in 2017. During her Thursday sentencing, Quackenbush apologized to the victim, but also reportedly played the victim. She just couldn't help herself. Quackenbush in her mugshot following the 2017 shooting, looks like a smirk is on her face. Quackenbush, who now lives in Texas, will serve her time there and have to make virtual reports. Oh Goodness, she has to go on Zoom. Authorities will also monitor her criminal record. Let's put up a picture of the human being she shot, the valuable person she shot. Gerald Melton, a skilled guitar player, was shot by this woman near Nashville's music row on August 26th of that year. Melton had to have at least three surgeries because of the shooting. Quackenbush argued that she was in fear of Melton and only tried to scare him off. But prosecutors said witness testimony disproved that narrative. Let's go to the assistant DA who prosecuted the case. Davidson County assistant DA Amy Hunter said, and I quote, the only Thing unusual in this situation was her behavior and how the defendant reacted in this particular situation to the words that Mr. Melton was saying. Hunter continued to say, and I quote, we heard from an eyewitness who was feet away from the defendant when this happened, who said she was not frightened by Mr. Melton. 
that she did not take his words seriously. That the only person who was dangerous in the situation was the defendant. Details of what actually happened, detectives say that Milton, okay, was trying to sleep on the sidewalk at about 3 a.m. trying to get some rest. When he became disturbed by exhaust fumes and loud music coming from her Porsche SUV. When Melton posed a question for her to move, an argument ensued and Quackenbush got out of her vehicle with a gun and fired two shots at him. One struck him in the abdomen, Quackenbush police said fled the scene. Put a picture back up, she receives no jail time, nothing. Unsupervised probation, you realize if you get a traffic ticket, you can have supervised probation in many states. She gets none, she gets to go to another state, check in via Zoom. Why, is it the complexion of protection? Maybe coupled with the fact that this government does not recognize people as human beings when they don't have a particular perceived status in the United States. Quackenbush also had a history with troublesome behavior, we got it. Such as threatening to hurt an infant with a brick, threatening her own mama, and also pouring water on a waiter at a restaurant, authorities reportedly said. This woman has been getting away with criminal conduct from her family to the community. And that what you are aware of today is attempted damn murder. Pure and simple, she got out of her car, shot the man, left the scene. If you believe you are acting in self defense, you remain at the scene, you care about the life and you call 911. But it never was a threat, there was no threat here. How in the hell did this happen? All right, David, thoughts, man. I think there's another example. We do not have equal justice in the United States. It, it, you know, justice depends on your race. Justice depends on your socioeconomic status. Imagine if a person who was living on the street had been frightened by what Miss Quackenbush did and pulled out a gun and, and shot her. Do we think that person who was living on the street, you think they would get off with just probation and just a warning? No, of course not. They would be sent to jail and society would lock that person up for the rest of their life. But because she has a name like Quackenbush, because she has a Porsche SUV, she gets to play the, oh, I'm above this system of justice, and just sure, I'll check in with you from Texas every now and then. And it's just, you know, people like to say, oh, no, the justice system in the United States is equal. It's not. And you don't have to look very far to discover that. And that's the reality. We fight for equity in the system, we fight for fairness in the construct because it doesn't exist presently. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. What's happening? Welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, um, infantry chef says, white Jesus said, that's the poor with water. Or was it they were supposed to wash their feet? There you go. Biden flavor corn pop recorded himself laughing. A donut, a donut store owner. So sure, he won't be like that homeless woman someday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cheesecake Brownie, a lawyer once told me, if you want justice, get a dog and name it justice. All right, 
Anne Ray Mencara, I think. What's, what's Dr. Richie's take on Twitter? Elon Musk and election results, question mark. Should we move north? Let me talk about Twitter for a minute. I think that's a great question because I'm in observation mode currently myself. I'm also reminded that you can't simply leave places where light is necessary. When darkness permeates, you need, you need light in those areas more than any other time. So I don't wanna get away from the reality of trying to be light in places where light is starting to dim, all right? So that's where I'm at today. Um, Twin Dragon Tamer, thank you for covering this. I am a provider for houseless folks, yes, in uh, Washington. And the violence and rhetoric against this population is so dangerous, that's right. Thank you for the work you do. Chad, thank you for being a member for three months. Love your work, Dr. Richard, keep grinding, it's our work. It's not just mine, it's our work, you're part of that work. This would not be effective without you, okay? It's a community. Okay, a principal decides to basically endorse Nazis, well, to this degree. Let's go to the video. Yeah, let's put up the picture that we have here. And I'm going to give you the background as to what you just saw. A Chicago principal, a person who is obviously educated academically and went through the process of becoming a certified educator, then certified administrator. This principal has now been stripped of his duties over his response to his student dressing up as a Nazi for Halloween. The principal pulled him aside afterwards to talk to him about his outfit, according to the Twitter user who uploaded the video. The costume contest was held during a free period where David the student signed up and was allowed to walk on stage. He was allowed to wear it. So the principal in his first email to parents on November 2nd about the incident, Principal Powers wrote and I quote, we held a costume contest in the afternoon, which was fun and well received amid all the other costumes. A member of our school community wore a military surplus army uniform, that's what he said. Staff and students expressed their concerns about the uniform, believing that it represented an expression of anti-Semitism. But after outrage grew, Principal Powers sent a second email to Jones faculty and parents the next day. Second email, stating the school should have handled the incident with greater care and should have communicated more clearly with the school community about the nature of the incident. Let's go to the chief executive officer for the school system. This is Mr. Pedro Martinez, Chicago Public Schools CEO. He issued a statement that read in part, this incident caused harm to many students and staff and it is completely inconsistent with our values as a school district. In April, Martinez declined to fire powers because of insufficient evidence of misconduct. They literally have the damn thing on video. But he said, oh, all right. After the high school's local school council voted eight to two to direct Martinez to initiate dismissal proceedings for allegations of mishandled reports of sexual misconduct, mismanaged school finances, and failure to address systemic discrimination issues, among other complaints. Remember when I told you, when you find a guy that engages in corrupt action or protects 
a culture that's adversarial to freedom and transparency and good faith dynamics. It's never linear, it's always multiple. It's always another factor, another dynamic that we don't see. CGU claims parents, teachers, and support staff have repeatedly raised concerns about the culture of intolerance at Jones, but have been routinely ignored. Mm. Now, does the school not know? According to the school board, they were well aware, they knew there was an actual history. How did the school board, how did the leadership know about all of these other past allegations of misconduct? Because there's a record. There's a record, that's how they know. And if there's one record, there were 20 that went unfiled. That's how this goes down typically. So there's a record, they know it to be problematic connected to this particular principle. What did they do? They let him stay there until he made a gesture that was so insanely racist and obviously corrupt in his emails trying to cover it up and fudge the details. It became so problematic for them, all of a sudden, they know what to do now. All of a sudden, they know how to get rid of somebody who is adversarial to their own students. This is why we need champions in education again. We, we gotta have champions, we have a lot of academics, we do. And I love teachers, I was adopted by a school teacher, changed my entire life. But we need more champions for students inside of these institutions. David, thoughts here. Look, I'm not the only one because I know there are a lot of people in Chicago who have had entire branches of their family wiped out because of the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. So a lot of us are especially sensitive to references to Nazi Germany, to people who parade around in uniforms of Nazis. Despite that, I'm still willing to give somebody the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, if this is just a one off, then make it a teachable moment, learn from this, apologize, and fine. And everybody can be educated on the horrors of what Nazi Germany really was. But when this is a pattern, as you point out, and they've got case after case and incident after incident, this person should be fired immediately. There shouldn't even be a question. Right. Never mind the horrific way that principal handled the communication with the community with those ridiculous emails. Get rid of this teacher, get rid of this principal. The community deserves better. Farewell said, farewell said. For those who would like to continue to follow your great work, dear brother, how can they do so? Rebel HQ on Facebook and uh, and Twitter and YouTube, you can catch us there. In fact, we've got a couple of uh, police videos that are up now of cops behaving badly in some settlements and some very high profile excessive force cases. Again, YouTube or Facebook for Rebel HQ. You can also get me on Twitter at David Schuster. And Dr. Ritchie, always an honor to be on with you. Thank you, my friend. Same here, the feeling, the sentiment is 100% mutual. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, join us later, later tonight for live election coverage. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.